This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Welcome to Chronicles of Nania. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And we are going to be joined by the man who this show is named for. He is the lead stat geek over at Gangrene Nation and here at TurnOnTheJets.com. If there's a statistic, no matter how obscure, that somehow relates to the New York Jets, he's all over it. And that's why today he's going to come on and talk about some of the free agent centers and wide receivers that the Jets could target this offseason, Mr. Michael Nania. Michael, what's going on, sir? Uh, just like you, I'm still waking up from that snooze fest of a Super Bowl a couple of days ago. But yeah, I'm ready to jump into this and talk some free agents. So really good to be back here on the Chronicles with you. Certainly better than falling asleep watching that Super Bowl game. <laughs> Best part of that was Zoe Kravitz on that advertisement for Michelob, as far as I'm concerned. And when that's the highlight of the Super Bowl, you know that Super Bowl wasn't one of the better ones. But hopefully we get a Jets team in 2019 that takes some strides towards making the Super Bowl themselves sometime in the near future. But in order to do that, they're going to have to make some major additions, specifically along the offensive line. At center, there are two guys that people are talking a lot about the Jets pursuing in free agency. So let's start with the guy who we all watched in the playoffs this offseason, Mitch Morse of the Kansas City Chiefs. What would you find with him? Yeah, so definitely Mitch Morse and Matt Paradis are probably your two top options at the center position, of course. The Jets will probably be looking for a new starter there, assuming that Spencer Long, at least if they don't cut Spencer Long, who uh, the deadline actually for cutting Long is going to be tomorrow, this Wednesday, uh, February 6th. So if they don't cut Long, even, even if they don't cut Long, he'll probably be moving over to guard. So they're probably going to be looking for a new center. So Morse and Paradis are definitely the top two options. And Morris is a, he's a really good talent and he's only going to be 27 at the start of the season. So that's pretty young for a free agent offensive lineman. You look at Paradis, he's going to be 30. Uh, he was a 25 year old rookie. So offensive linemen tend to be really old. So for Morris to be only 27, that's a plus. And he's a good player. He was the 13th ranked center of pro football focus this season. And I don't like to use pro football focus rankings as gospel. Obviously they do miss a lot. There's a lot of things that they can't see in terms of scheme, play calling that they'll never understand or be able to understand or anyone on the outside can get just from watching. So it's, it's never good to use them as gospel, but it is, it is a good way to get a read on a player who you haven't watched too much of, but watching Morris, you can tell how good he is. He's smart. He's instinctive. He he's aware in pass protection as a run blocker. He knows he has great instincts and always knows where to be and how to get the job done. He's a good fit in a zone scheme. He's a really athletic and strong guy, even though he lacks arm length and hand size. Uh, he does lack there, and that was a big knock on him coming out. But he was a second-round pick, so that definitely is a good indication of his talent level. And he was converting over from right tackle in college to center in the NFL. So for him to go top 50, uh, being picked 49th by the Chiefs in 2015, just shows you how much talent teams thought he had coming out of college, even though he did kind of struggle at right tackle in college where, uh, at Missouri. So with Morris, he's definitely one of the top, most talented options at center with Paradis, definitely top two in my opinion. But the question with him is definitely injuries. He's only played 52 of 70 possible career games over his career, which is 74%. And over the past two seasons, he's only played 20 out of 35, which is 57%. Uh, he missed a few games this season with a concussion. He His 27 season, 2017 season was cut short with a major foot injury. So he's definitely been banged up a lot. And that's a big question with him. Obviously, the Jets this last offseason just signed a center who had injury issues. And that really came back to bite the team. The season hurt Sam Darnold, hurt the entire offense as Spencer Long really struggled this season. So injuries are definitely a huge question with Morse. But if the Jets are keen on getting a starting center, 
this offseason, then Morse is going to be one of the most one of the best options out there, not just at center, but across the entire offensive line. So I'd be worried about giving him a lot of guaranteed money, but the talent is there, and he's played really well in the league since he came in. He was an all-rookie selection. So Morse is a really talented player, but I'd definitely be worried about giving him guaranteed money. So it'll be interesting to see uh, what his value is if he does hit the market or if Kansas City does decide to keep him because it's going to be tough for the Chiefs to keep Morris. I do think that he will be on the market because you look at all the players that the Chiefs have to pay, Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, so many players there that they want to pay. So it'll be tough for them to hold on to him. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with Morris, but the injuries are definitely scary. Let's talk a little bit about the other center option that you mentioned, Matt Paradise, the center from the Denver Broncos. What do you got on him? Yeah, so Paradise is definitely my top option at center, and he might be my favorite free agent target on the entire offensive side of the ball. I love this guy. So the thing with Paradise is, like I said, he's a 25-year-old rookie, which is incredibly old. So he's only been in the NFL for five seasons, only started for four seasons. So the age isn't as much of a factor as it seems like it should be. But Paradise is a phenomenal player. He only started nine games this season. So uh, he was durable over his first few seasons as a starter. I believe he only missed one start over his first three seasons from 2015 to 2017. But this season, his... Uh, he was cut short with an injury for Denver, but he was the pro, uh, number two ranked center pro football focus this season. Uh, his pass protection is phenomenal. He's a great run blocker. The Broncos, throughout his time as a, as a starter there, they've been one of the best teams in the league, running the ball up the middle. In 2018, the Broncos were third in total rushing yards, fifth in yards per carry, and eighth in first down rate on carries up the middle while Paradis was in the lineup. And they dropped about six to eight spots in each one of those categories after he was out of the lineup. So he's definitely a really, really good player. And you can feel confident that you're going to get an upgrade with him. Uh, his injury this past season is a little bit of a question mark. He's got experience in both man and zone concepts. A really smart player, like I said with Morris. And uh, the center position is a really cerebral position. Uh, definitely matters in terms of making calls at the line, uh, instincts and pass protection. And then in zone schemes, it definitely matters a lot. So... He's a really smart player, just like Morris is, but Paradise is definitely maybe the best offensive free agent available. Um, right up there with Le'Veon Bell, I think. I really think Paradise is that good when you watch him play. So if he does shake free, if I were the Jets, I would be making sure I'd be outbidding everybody to get Matt Paradise. And I definitely think there's a lesser chance that Paradise shakes free compared to Morris. Uh, the Broncos have some more flexibility in terms of being able to get him back with less players that they have to pay compared to Kansas City, but if Paradis does shake free, I would absolutely want to see the Jets at least make a very competitive offer for him, and of course, if the Jets were used to seeing, oh, the Jets were the runners-up for this guy, or they tried to get him, and you know, you can't control uh, other uh, free agents' decision, but I would like to see the Jets make Paradis offer to be the highest-paid center in the league, because I do think he's worth that. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress, and that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. 
Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Michael, let's shift to wide receiver now before we get to some of the sexier names. One guy on your list that I noticed is somebody that I watched fairly closely when I lived in Virginia, and that's Jamison Crowder, the former Washington Redskin. He was banged up last year, but he was a really nice slot option for them when he was healthy. Could this be a really nice low-risk, high-reward type of buy? Yeah, Crowder definitely stood out to me as fitting that exact uh, exact description that you just gave, he could be a little bit of a good, a pretty good buy, buy low option. You look at an Adam Humphrey, Golden Tate, guys that have been healthy, put up more numbers, been in the playoffs. If you're talking about Tate, guys, those guys could get a little bit more money because they've been able to put up some more production. But Crowder is coming off of a year in which he was hurt and his numbers dipped a little bit. So he could uh, definitely be a little bit cheaper, but he's, he's an interesting slot guy. And Crowder can do those things, but he's unique in that he is a really legit downfield option. He, has a 67.2% career catch rate, which is a slot receiver kind of level, a really efficient uh, check down rate. But he's also averaging 11.8 yards per reception, which is unusually high for a slot receiver. Most slot receivers have a lower yards per reception rate because obviously they're getting more check down catches, uh, screen passes, so their yards per reception is lower. But for Crowder to have a 67.2 catch, uh, 67.2% catch rate and an 11.8 yards per reception rate, that's really rare among all players in the league. The only other receivers with at least 300 targets since 2015, which was Crowder's rookie year, to average those two numbers are Michael Thomas, Keenan Allen, Adam Thielen, Tyree Kill, and Doug Baldwin. So that's a league company right there. So Crowder's ability to both be a checkdown option and a really good yak receiver because his yak numbers have been really good. He took a huge leap in 2018. He's fourth among wide receivers in yards after catch per reception in 2018. So he is a good yards after catch reception. You can't check it down to him. And down the field, he is a really useful weapon for a slot guy. The Redskins use him downfield a lot, and he made a lot of plays up the seam. So he's a really unique option in the slot, and he's only going to be 26 at the start of 2019. So, yeah, definitely, if you feel like uh, medically he checks out and you can be confident in him being healthy, he could be an interesting buy-low option. What do you think about Tyrell Williams, who kind of came out of nowhere this year for the Los Angeles Chargers, seems to think that he's a number one receiver. That's what he's been saying. And with that, you would assume he wants a lot of money. Is he a guy you would pay? Yeah, so Williams is an interesting case. You look at his market value on spot track. They value him at about $9.6 million per year, which would currently have him at 23rd among wide receivers. So that is borderline number one money, uh, like he's been coming out and saying, that he thinks he is number one receiver. So with Williams, he's a big play threat. That's what he's done really well with the Chargers. Since he entered the league in 2015, he's fifth in yards per target among the 113 players with at least 200 targets, 9.81 yards per target. Only Julio Jones, Tyreek Hill, Tyler Lockett, and Rob Gronkowski are averaging more. So he can make those big plays. And he's got 42 uh, receptions for 20-plus yards since 2016. That's top 15 in the league. Uh, 28% of Williams' receptions since 2016 
have gone for 20 plus yards. The league average is 9%. So he's making those big plays three times as often as the average player in the league. And his efficiency numbers are good when you throw to him. I already mentioned his yards per target. His first down rate has been above 40% in each of the past three seasons, including a career best 46% in 2018. His DVOA has been top 25 each of the past three seasons. So Williams was definitely really efficient and he was a great big play threat. But the question is, he hasn't really been that consistent. He's had a lot of games where he's disappeared and hasn't really done that much. So you definitely question if he can be that number one guy like he's said he could be and do anything beyond the big play. And it's also a, a question if the Jets do bring back Robbie Anderson. Can he play? Can Tyrell Williams play next to Robbie Anderson and contribute something differently, add more to the offense? Because those two guys have really similar skill sets, very similar body type, tall, lanky, small, but very fast and elite big play threats. So you do wonder if the Jets bring back, bring back Robbie Anderson, if they could also add Williams and he can add another dimension to the offense, but at the same time, I don't really think you can go wrong with having multiple guys who could take the top off of a defense. It's definitely not an issue to have two guys like that. And with Williams in 2016, when Keenan Allen missed most of the season, he had a great season. Williams went over a thousand yards, scored seven touchdowns, didn't fumble the ball once, and was fourth in DVOA among wide receivers. So he's shown you in the past, he's given you signs that he can be a legit number one guy uh, in that 2016 season without Keenan Allen when the Chargers asked a lot of him. So there's definitely a lot of projection with Williams because he, you're going to be asking him to be a bigger part of your offense if you give him a contract like the one he's slated to get. But you do at least know that you shouldn't be getting a very, very good big play threat. Michael, let's talk about a guy that I think is a free agency trap, and that's Devin Funches of the Carolina Panthers. I say that because he strikes me as a very average wide receiver who is going to get paid handsomely simply because he shakes free on the market and typically the best players in the league don't shake free. So by virtue of teams having money and him being available, he's going to cash in. Is that what you found? Yeah, I definitely agree with you. Funches scares me a lot. He's got, he's got that size uh, that you love, 6'4", 225, uh, which is why he was a second-round pick by the Panthers in 2015. But he, he's definitely disappointed. His production hasn't been good. Uh, and you just watch him play. He doesn't use that size to his advantage. He drops too many easy catches. Uh, he gets hugged to the sideline by corners, doesn't make enough of the contested catches you'd like him to make. So his production definitely hasn't measured up to what you'd hope and what he's probably going to get paid this offseason. Uh, this past season, 2018, he only caught for 549 yards, uh, only 6.95 yards per target, which was 67th among the 83 wide receivers with 50-plus targets. And his spot track market value is about $9 million per year right now, which would put him 26th highest at wide receiver. And you compare that to his rankings, since he entered the league, uh, he hasn't been close to that, uh, whether it be receptions, touchdowns. He's definitely has not been a top 25 guy, not even close to that since he entered the league. Uh, his career year was in 2017, but that was he didn't even reach eight, uh, 900 yards that season. So def you're definitely projecting a lot with Funches. He's a kind of guy, uh, kind of like Dante Fowler on defense, a guy who's drafted high, has great physical tools, but hasn't matched it up with production. So if you're drafting a guy based on things like that in college, maybe in the second round, third round, who has great physical tools but didn't produce much, then the draft is the time to do that. But in free agency, when you're throwing around huge money or uh, considering making, like Funchess might be, based on his market value, uh, making him one of the top five paid, uh, highest paid players on your team, you definitely like to have at least some semblance of production to hang your hat on uh, when you're giving a guy that much money. And for him, who had only 549 yards this year, second fewest yards per target amongst 6'4", or taller wide receivers, 
better than only Calvin Benjamin, who hasn't really built a great reputation for himself recently. Uh, Funches was 67th in wide receiver DVOA, had career low in yards perception this past season, and passer rating when targeted, which was only a 68. And Cam Newton threw him the ball this past season. Uh, he's also benched at the end of the season. His snap count went below 50% over the final four games. So this is a guy, all those things I just said, does, it doesn't really sound like a guy you want to give $9 million per year, even though the physical tools are nice. Uh, at the price he's primed to get, I'd be really aware of him. But if his value does go down, maybe he dwindles on the market a little longer than he thought he would or we expect him to. Then if you could buy low on him, then he'd definitely be intriguing. But if he's your big ticket receiver addition, then I, I question your judgment a little bit if you're giving him as much as he's slated to get. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. One wide receiver that I really like is Adam Humphreys of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I talked a lot about him because the Jets were considering Todd Monken, who was his old offensive coordinator in Tampa, and he credited Monken with really helping him develop into an NFL receiver. This is a guy that is tough as nails, can take a hit over the middle, great hands. He's not one of those toolsy guys like you were talking about with Funchess, but just seems to do everything right on the football field. That said, he's going to get paid a lot of money based on the fact that, as we said, free agency has a dearth of elite type of players, so good to very good players get paid huge money. Is this a guy that you think is worth paying $11, $12 million on the open market? Yeah, that's the big question, right? His spot track value is $10.4 million per year, so you're looking at making him a top 20 paid receiver uh, at that value. So he's going to be really expensive because he was... He's the best player on this market in 2018. So he was 18th among receivers in receptions. He had 76 catches last year and receiving first downs. He was he had 49 of those last year. So he was top 20 in both of those numbers in 2018. And he's been really good after the catch, which is a trait Adam Gase does value in his receivers. He ran a ton of wide receiver screens in Miami. And obviously he couldn't doing that just to compensate for the, the struggles of his quarterbacks. But it does seem like that it could be uh, part of his offense that is going to get uh, continue to be a featured part. So he's second among wide receivers in yak perception in 2016, top 25 in 2018, and a really consistently used screen option. And his yak ability is really good. Uh, he's a proven slot receiver, which obviously the Jets could use. Uh, he's not just a middle of the field weapon either. He actually does a really good job with short outbreaking rats. He's one of the least top 15 in short out catches uh, in 2018. So he was really good in 2018, had a 47% first down rate, which is really high for a slot receiver, and a 107.7 passer rating when targeted. Uh, and he was already efficient in 2017. He had a 42% first down rate and a 99 passer rating when targeted in 2017. His consistency is really good. He picked at least one first down every game in 2018. So you look at what he did in 2018 and even go back to 2017, he was clearly the best wide receiver on the free agent market in the 2018 season. And he's been consistent over the past couple years. So the question with him is that he played in the Tampa Bay offense that passed the ball a ton. They were trailing a ton. They threw the second most passing attempts in the league and were third in the league and plays run while trailing, which is when teams would be playing off, giving up a lot of free yardage underneath. 
which is uh, perfect for a guy like him. And another one of the big questions with him is that he got to play with a lot of really good talent in Tampa Bay. Mike Evans, Deshaun Jackson, Chris Godwin, Cameron Bray, O.J. Howard. Those are five really good, legitimately talented players on offense. And, of course, highlighted by Mike Evans, who's a top five, top ten receiver in the league. So those guys take a lot of pressure off him. Tampa Bay threw the ball a ton. So there were a lot of reasons that his numbers could have been boosted uh, with a lot of the talent around him, the coaching staff, and the fact that the Bucks threw the ball a lot. So you have to question whether or not those numbers that he posted these past couple seasons are legit, and if he could transfer that to another team, another offense, where he's going to be more of a focal point, because the help that he got in terms of boosting those numbers, he had a lot of help in producing those numbers. So you definitely got to question if he could translate that to another team in a more featured role and live up to his price tag. Talking about price tags, the guy who's probably going to get the richest deal of any of the receivers on the market is Golden Tate. And there's good reason for that. He has the best production of any of them. But he's 31 years old. He'll be moving on to his fourth team. So is this a guy that you see as somebody it would be wise to pay? Or would you be a little leery because of his age and the fact that you would think if you make a major investment, there could be some sort of downhill swing? Yeah, so the question with Taze, that, that downhill swing that you mentioned, we started to see it this past season. Uh, over the first half of the season when he was still playing with Detroit, his numbers were right on par with what he's been doing over the past few seasons when he was ninth in the league in receiving from 2014 to 17, and he went over 1,000 yards in three of his four full seasons in Detroit. So over the first half of the season when he's still with the Lions, he was producing at the same exact level that he was when he's one of the league best slot receivers in the league and one of the top 10 overall receivers in terms of receiving yardage. But after he got traded to the Eagles, he averaged only 34 yards per game, only six yards per target, which would put him way towards the bottom of the league, probably bottom 10 uh, with that number. And he only averaged about 3.7 catches per game. In the Eagle, that was his worst since 2012. His efficiency is really bad with Philly. He, his first down rate was only 27%. His passer rating when targeted was only 82.8, which was his worst since 2011 so there were definitely signs of decline in the second half of philly but when he was still with the lions he, he was still producing at the same levels that he was over the past few seasons so it's really risky with tate he's 31 years old he's playing uh, he plays a role taking all those hits as a huge screen game weapon taking a lot more hits than most receivers do so there's definitely a chance that he could have a lot more tread on his tires than most players do but at the same time he's been really durable throughout his career very consistent and like I said, he was having a good first half before he got traded. So maybe the fit just wasn't there in Philadelphia. So it, it could be risky with his price tag. But like you said, he's the most proven guy on the market. So uh, he could be a good option for the Jets. They could use that veteran presence. Uh, a guy who could lift up the rest of the wide receiver room, bring some playoff experience. And a, a guy who definitely still has after-the-catch ability. And he's also a really good improvisational guy. After the um, when plays break down, he's really good at finding soft spots and giving his quarterback a target, which is very key with Sam Darnold, as we saw him do that a ton with Chris Herndon and Robbie Anderson over the uh, latter part of the season. So it'll be interesting to see how much Tate gets, but he's definitely one of the riskier options because of his age. He is the man that you go to for all the numbers, both big and small and obscure, Mr. Michael Nania. Michael, for those that don't know where to find you, and I can't imagine that there would be very many of those anymore because you've made quite a name for yourself on Jets Twitter. Why don't you go ahead and let him know? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Michael underscore Nania. That's N-A-N-I-A. And most of my writing is at gangrenation.com where I've been busting out all of these free agent profiles for all the guys I just talked about and will continue 
to be getting through those daily throughout the rest of the offseason until the free agency period. So, yeah. There you go. Follow him on Twitter. Read his work at Gangrene Nation. Check out his work here at TurnOnTheJets.com. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. It's Turn On The Jets Digital and TurnOnTheJets.com.